0: I can't control take you God. It's a rescue taking, you know. I can't control the wind yeah. or well, God. So then, if then I will call out the tour director. But I'm just saying that if the wind blows, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. I can't control God. Talk to him. everybody welcome back to the body serve i'm jonathan and i'm james we are back in toronto went to a few different countries we saw tennis in berlin it was our first ever grass court tennis experience and how was that for you
1: well first of all the bet one open well fuck my drag Mm -hmm. bet one is a mattress company it's not a betting company bet
0: it's not a betting company (laughs) Well, you said it on a previous episode. Did, I don't know if I ever said it, but I definitely you thought did. it. You're oh. like, fuck that. But I didn't yeah. correct you either. I just <laughs> sat there in stupidity as well. So I'm maybe 20% less culpable than you are.
1: Right. The Berlin Grass Court Tournament is on an absolutely beautiful site. It's a very small tournament. There are only a few courts. Uh, the show court is called Stuffy Graf Stadium. It's... Uh, a quick walk from the Grunewald S-Bahn station, the transit, like getting to the tournament, was a dream. It really was.
0: As you said, a small, small site surrounded by, as one might imagine, a lot of wealth. Yes, of the houses in that neighborhood. A very wealthy neighborhood. Like you're walking through from the subway station, you're walking through an incredibly wealthy sta- uh, neighborhood, and then there's a the tournament.
1: Yeah, just just down this little residential street, it looks like. Uh, you know, it's, it's very wooded, it's very green, and it's close to um, the Grunewald Forest, which is this massive
0: preserve within the city limits of, of Berlin. Things we liked about the site and the tournament. Something I'd never seen before at a tennis tournament. You walk around the grounds and then you see something that says, chill out section. Or cool-out area.
1: You called it the cool-out area, like a Jamaican. (laughs) What is it, chill-out? What did they call it? Yeah, I think they call it like the chill-out zone.
0: And so you go walk down these steps by the forested area, and then you look, and look, there's a little river.
1: A little, like a little meadow. A little lake.
0: And a lake. It very much looked like a fairy tale scene. There's a, a mini kind of hill where they had chairs set out for people to sit down. You could just go and, you know, after you watch Dana Vekic take out Yelena Rybakina, <laughs> two minutes later, you could be just sitting in tranquil serenity, mm-hmm. watching the water ripple with nobody around you.
1: That was amazing. You know, at almost all tennis tournaments outside the majors, the access and the proximity of players is, is quite shocking right? Players walk through crowds all the time, there is an area where you can sit at the Berlin tournament where you're really right outside the player's area, and when you're down that hill, you're sort of sharing space. There's this um, sort of assumed invisible line that you shouldn't cross, but none of it is like roped off or anything.
0: The players are also welcome to come down there and chill. Spoiler if you didn't know already, Petra Kvitova won that tournament, and if you see her with her trophy afterwards, some of the pictures were of her in that on that grassy knoll area
1: yes yes what are some of the other things that you liked uh i liked the drinks love that uh there was a bar near the player area where they had some nice mixed drinks the pulled pork sandwich was quite quite nice Mm
0: -hmm. so the curry reversed was not one of the highlights for you you know Coming from
1: upstate New York, I'm not going to criticize, like, other people's street food or whatever. But Curryverse, it, it was not for me.
0: Listen, you say that Chili's is the greatest restaurant in America. So, like, your, your <laughs> the taste... best chain restaurant. Well, I don't know if you'd make that caveat on most days of the week. <laughs> um, we
1: were very unprepared. I, I cannot believe we did this. Like, the forecast in the city of Berlin said no rain. I didn't think to look at the location we were going, which is still in the city, but it's like southwest of where we were. And it rained for two and a half hours Mm. right when we got there. Like, why were we so unprepared? We did not even bring our umbrellas.
0: We traveled to Europe with umbrellas. (laughs) New umbrellas. We bought umbrellas, too many umbrellas for this trip.
1: So how mad can I, how mad can we even be because it was so stupid on our part?
0: We literally walk up to the entrance and it starts raining. (laughs) And then we're just standing around for two and a half hours waiting for mm. play to start back. But what you can
1: be annoyed about is that every tennis tournament I've ever been to, when it rains, it's like they could have never anticipated this outcome. It's like it has never rained at a tournament before. There's never enough seats. There are very few like shaded areas. Why are they always so unprepared? We, You literally pulled a chair into the what was it the adidas tent no
0: not Adidas. phila
1: the phila tent got nasty looks like listen everybody's like, huddled in here because it's raining i'm sorry you're, you're mad trying that I brought to sell a chair apparel
0: in. you have a captive audience here maybe try and do some sales work
1: all i i didn't even we put the chair in front of riley opelka's face <laughs> not in front of any of the
0: merchandise nobody's here for riley opelka okay Right, but it's raining. This happens at pretty much every tennis tournament. Where are the people supposed to go? Exactly. Watching grass for the first time kind of changed my impression. Okay. Well, it, it it softened me again toward the surface. Because <laughs> I think I've been pretty harsh on previous episodes in anticipation of this grass season, saying it's archaic, and yes, it's terrible for the environment and all these things. It's associated with the stodginess of Wimbledon and the All England Club, and it... It is probably the pinnacle of aloofness and eliteness in tennis, that kind of inaccessibility that makes tennis not affordable or accessible to the masses. Like grass court tennis is the epitome of that. Okay. And you don't need to look further than even some of the country club players from North America have never played grass court tennis until they go to England Mm. because they just don't have access to that. Even them. Don't have access to that in North America or whatever. I, I'm just becoming more and more put off by how niche, within the niche, grass court tennis Okay, is. wait, but seeing it chained weight. It didn't change that. It just made me like kind of ooh and ah a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't lie. Like we've talked so many times about how Wimbledon is problematic, but I
0: love grass court tennis. I love watching it. You don't really get... A full picture of how the ball bounces low and how the ball reacts on the surface until you see it live yeah definitely yelena robakina
1: even not at her best uh is the player that i most wanted to see in person this year and we got to see her that first day once the rain stopped playing polina kurlamatova who is um what's veronica's younger sister the girl has game Mm -hmm. she really like she has a big game for grass but Rybakina, even not at her best, was able to kind of boss with her serve. The serve is is the truth. Like, there's no way around that. And even though she seemed like a little bit lethargic, loved watching the movement. It's not like you see her scurrying. It's it's not even like you see all this speed. It's just that she's put herself in the right positions for pretty much every shot.
0: I'll tell you the things that I didn't like about this tournament. Okay. I was so disappointed that given that there are only three show courts, one of them was pretty much completely inaccessible to the fans. Yeah. And made exclusively available to the VIPs. Mm. So courts one
1: and two are next to each other, and there is like a stadium seating for half of court one. Does that make sense? So if you sit like higher up in the seating... You can see Court 2, but there are two matches going on at the same time. So you can't, like, clap during points for mm-hmm. the wrong match, you know. Um, so you're sort of looking past Court 1 if you want to see the other court. There's a small VIP area, like, on the other side of Court 2. But I really wanted to see Dasha, and you really
0: you couldn't see much of her. I mean, why are we, why are we still doing this when tennis is already so elitist? <laughs> to, ma- to make... It also elitist within the event itself.
1: Yeah, I mean that first day, what were there like a thousand people on the grounds? You really like, have to come have a VIP. On.
0: You go to a tennis tournament and you you want to see your favorite player and you you pay a ticket and you literally can't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you have to go up into a high seat on an adjacent court to be able to look over court one to then view court two beyond it to catch a glimpse beyond the umpire chair. <laughs> obstructing you because Hans and Steffi are VIP members <laughs> at this golf club. Who are they? It's a tennis club. Like. By the way, you said golf. Oh, golf club. Six of one, half a dozen of the <laughs> right. other. Like,
1: I mean, no, but people just love feeling elite. You know, like any chance to have a higher status, like on a plane or
0: at a sporting event, they will take it. The other thing I didn't like, and I was completely just... Uh, I could I could not believe it. But yet I could. We were sitting in those same stands by court one. And any Tom, Dick or Harry could have just walked over and trigger warning. I'm sorry to say this, but it's it's relevant for this podcast and the sport stabbed one of the players. Oh, yeah. Because this happened in Germany. I don't even remember if my ticket was checked. There was zero
1: security. It was scanned. I had a bag to get into
0: the to the yeah. site. It was scanned from your phone and that was it. You could bring anything into the event. I had a
1: bag, nobody even looked once at it. No, you could really bring anything you wanted.
0: And there was no real security court side. I mm. I could not believe it. And then initially I was like, Well, maybe things are different here and then it was like, No. This is where it happened. Not Berlin, but yes. Germany. Mm. Anyway, I just can't believe that in in 2023, the things that we allow ourselves to be subjected to in the name of security worldwide in so many different fields and avenues and instances that we just turned a blind eye to this kind of stuff still.
1: Where they could actually be useful. Exactly. Uh, hey, but you don't have to take your shoes off at the airport anymore.
0: That is I, I that is actually really I appreciate nice. that. <laughs>
1: I mean, overall, it was a really great experience. And we were, uh, I, like, I don't want to sound complaining, like, we're so privileged to go. Like, it was such a treat to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand how lucky we are uh, to be able to see live tennis, especially in another country.
0: No, Okay, but our perspective now is a little bit colored by us traveling with you as a semi-disabled person. Let's be real. Yeah, and that's, and not, also, even, that's not even being funny. And, um, but also, we're older now. We are. And so traveling now, it just becomes so clear how everything is so uncomfortable.
1: Those, well, the seats in Steffi Graf Stadium may be the worst seats I've ever sat in at any sporting event. Like, no joke, I'd rather sit on a bleacher. It was a perfect L, like a, a perpendicular, you know, like a perfect right angle. Like, I could not sit in the stadium. We, we sat there for one match and I, I could no longer sit there physically. I have something similar to what Annette Kovada is retiring uh, from tennis for like disc degeneration. Uh it sounds I feel like it sounds worse than it is really, but yeah, uh, uh I didn't realize the sheet- the seats were so terrible. I may have spent more on like lower seats because they had these like beautiful chairs in the mezzanine section. Naturally.
0: Right. <laughs> No, but just in general, travel in general, airplanes...
1: Yeah, it's really difficult for people who have disabilities.
0: So let's talk about the results on grass that have happened since we last recorded. Our last actual tennis episode was our French Open recap. And then we had a mailbag episode that we released while we are on the road. And in that time, a whole bunch of grass court stuff has happened. Of course, in Berlin, Petrika Veneva... Back-to-back years now where she goes into Wimbledon with a title on grass.
1: She won her sixth career grass title. That's a lot considering how many other people have and how few tournaments are played on grass. Uh, She beat Donna Vekic in the final. Vekic took out Wimbledon
0: champion Rabakuna.
1: Vekic had a really wonderful week Mm. here.
0: Vekic is accomplished on grass. She's had good results on grass before. And this was... I watched that whole match... It was so impressive to watch Vekic do that. Mm. From she stepped out on court, she had this air about her that... Uh, I, I'm, I'm just ready for whatever happens today. <laughs> <laughs> the very first game that she's serving, she stops a couple times to fix her hair. Because her hair, it was really bothering her at that point. After she wins uh, a crucial point in the second set, I want to believe. She finally breaks Rubakin and then she's going to serve... Some of the one of the dude bros in the crowd says something to her and she starts laughing and she says something back to him <laughs> like, hello, like, this is a very important part of the match. And she's able to just, you know, break the what was it the, the fourth wall, the third wall? Yeah,
1: yeah. The fourth wall. It's like she kind of unlocked something mentally that week.
0: No, I'm just saying that she had a, a calmness about her clearly yeah, yeah. that day and the game to match it. She did not allow Rebacana to push her back from the baseline Mm -hmm. at all, which is not easy to do in that match. No.
1: Rebacana hit, I I mean, she hit 15 aces in that match. Uh, We also got to see Anshabur on grass. She played Eula Niemeyer lost. We know that Niemeyer can play on grass. She made the Wimbledon quarterfinal last year, but damn, like those were some powerful ground strokes and they just fly right off the grass.
0: She seemed a little bit out of sorts in that first set against Ons. And then Mm. something happened. Yeah. And when it clicked, she was just redlining from the baseline. Would not miss. It was a completely different person. It was. It was one-way traffic, pretty much. She seems to be coached by Andrea Petkovic right now. Because Petko was in her box for that match. And then I Mm. saw her the next day sitting alongside Petkovic on court one in the stands watching somebody play.
1: Yeah, Petco was just, like, everywhere. Um, it's such a small grounds that, you know, you see her uh, many times throughout the day. I also saw her hit down a guy.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Knock somebody
1: on their ass by yes. accident, right?
0: By accident. <laughs> this guy was sitting on the outside of Court 1 and Court 2, where you enter those grandstands. And she walked by, and he must not have been watching, and she must not have been watching. And he ends up being just knocked down to the ground. Yeah. I was like, okay. Damn. And she showed the, 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 the requisite. Right. She apologized. Care and, and, there's yeah. no there's no drama here. I'm not here saying that Petkovic is a monster. <laughs> I just want to say one more thing about my Berlin experience. Watching Rabakina in, in particular, mm. during that Vekic rabakina match, there were these uh, dude bros in those fancier seats that you were talking right. about. And they were, you know, getting up and dancing in between points. Da 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 da. Being borderline obnoxious. Okay. Like, they'd be calling out a lot in between points. But it was clear that they were there for Yelena. Mm. And at one point, they just started calling her baby. Oh, what? Like, let's go, baby. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, what on earth gives you the right to do that? No. It was so gross. There's,
1: yo, like, there's something about... Her, the way she looks and her demeanor that attracts a lot of like weird ass admirers a lot of like older men as well, well. these were younger uh, yeah
0: younger than um, me at least
1: yeah i'm Earlier sure the wait,
0: i'm sure a lot of women are listening now and be like oh wow these two naive fucks like this is what women have to deal with oh i'm sure every day of yes. the week
1: but like online yelena attracts like the same kind of weird comments that someone like chris evert does But it's like sort of infantilizing, like this perfect baby, you Mm. you know? We saw Yelena walk by us, and at first I didn't recognize her. I had never seen her in person. She just looked so small, like tall. She was very tall, but slight. (laughs) Yes, really different than I expected. Um, Okay, elsewhere in this short grass season, we had Alexandrova defending her title in Rosemalen or Sartogenbosch, beating Kunar Matova in the final. The Brit Katie Bolter, one of the Ka- the many Katie's.
0: I don't I don't know any of the Katies. Uh You're just gonna you just call all the Brits Katie's now. Yeah,
1: Katie Bolter beat Katie Burridge in the final
0: of. I Nottingham. think you said Katie Dart earlier today.
1: <laughs> I was I was kidding. Ostapenko, Penko, who has been a semifinalist at Wimbledon, is killer on grass. Is playing singles and doubles everywhere.
0: She's on one right now. <laughs> yes, she beat Babs. In the final of uh, Birmingham. You know who she also beat? Venus Williams. Miss Venus Williams (laughs) made her return to grass. Her first match was in Sertogenbosch, where she lost in three sets to Celine Naif. Venus won the first set, lost the second set in a tiebreak, losing 6-2 in the third. And then she shows up in Birmingham. In her first match, beats Camilla Georgie 7-6 in the third set. 8-6 in that tiebreaker. She then goes on to play Yelena Ostapenko, loses the first set, is down a break in the second. I believe she was even down 5-3 in that second set and comes back to win it 7-5, goes up a break in the third set before Ostapenko comes back to win it (laughs) 6-3.
1: So we were in Berlin when Venus was playing Camila. I just wish Venus could have come to instead right uh what a treat it would have been to see her but man georgie deserved that loss so bad nasty yes venus tumbled fell in the first set i think and georgie was screaming because she had just won the point like dude shut up what are you doing like there's somebody on the ground no no like
0: just nasty there behavior. isn't just somebody on the ground there is the fucking venus williams <laughs> on the ground at 43 years old yeah, which uh, may have contributed to the reason she was screaming. I would like the Italian prosecutors to open up another case against the Georgie syndicate. Yeah. Don't we know
1: uh she's still the holder of that Canadian open title? She I is. mean after the the vaccine fraud. Have we we've proved nothing, right?
0: No, and she denied it, and I guess that's that.
1: That's that. In tennis, if you say oops, that's that. There are a few um Current doping cases where the defense was essentially "oops,"
0: and they got a much lesser sentence. Anyway, the other Rosmalen result on the men's side: Greekspor beat Jordan Thompson.
1: Yeah, Thompson. Uh, Thompson won the Surbiton Challenger last year, I believe. Has made a few grass finals recently in the past few years. This is actually uh, two Dutch players won the Dutch tournament consecutively. Last year was Van Rijthoven, and this year Greekspor. I was about to say Alexandrova is not Dutch <laughs> In Stuttgart, Francis Tiafo now has a title on all of the three big surfaces.
0: What are the smaller surfaces?
1: Well, I, there used to be carpet, right <laughs> does I don't know. does indoor count as a surface? No
0: that's <laughs> that's still a hardcore. Sure, but indoor hard okay they they used to say there were more than three surfaces okay okay maybe I'm being nitpicky here. He also cracked the top 10 with that win.
1: Yes, for the first time. Bublik wins in Hala. Bublik, a-, a Russian speaker on Twitter, translated one of his infamous rants. I can't corroborate this because I do not speak Russian, but it was going around on Twitter. Uh, just insanely vile, disgusting things that came out of that man's mouth. Homophobic shit. Homophobic. I mean, crass and nasty, like, sexual stuff.
0: And, you know, I'm sure there are folks who will be like, well, I'm sure he didn't mean it. Then okay. why is it coming out of his mouth? Then why did he say Like, it? he's a okay. grown man. A grown man.
1: It's like the same people who said when Justin Thomas called the golf ball the F word, <laughs> he did not mean that the golf ball was a homosexual. Well, obviously, like, it's a okay. golf ball. Ex- right. So, therefore, it's not offensive. <laughs>
0: anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But the point is, it seems that every time one of these men goes on some unholy tirade that reveals bits of their character that are unsavory they then follow with a big result yeah uh
1: they usually have success uh carlos alcaraz
0: wins queens he also joins the club of now having a title on the three surfaces carlos winning that tournament and iga making the semi-final before she dipped in bad Humburg. <laughs> <laughs> these two top ranked players Two young players threatening to dominate both tours, generationally speaking. Yeah, right. Yeah. They both have this deficit on grass, and we saw from both of them, Carlos to a greater degree, figure out the the surface a bit mm. this past week. And I think that's a common theme for so many players. We see a lot of times during this time of year that. Some lesser-known Brits have quarterfinal, semifinal runs, and you're like, "Why are we seeing so many Brit players have success?" And it's because they grow up on this surface. Like when you are playing, had the opportunities when you've had the opportunity, and you've been playing on grass since you're twelve, you know how the ball reacts to that surface. Whereas, if you're Jessica Pagula, per se and you need to be maybe eight years into your professional career before you can finally start to feel comfortable on the surface. Mm. So that's just something to consider that I don't think we necessarily gave enough credence to in previous years.
1: Uh, Sure,
0: yeah. But my point in talking about these two is that, and I think it's indicative of their tennis acumen, that's different clearly from most players, Mm. that they're able to figure this out quicker (laughs) than others.
1: <laughs> right. Carlos is 20. He's winning Queens. He's a problem because he's a total tennis nerd. Like he lives and breathes tennis. He was essentially teaching himself how to play on grass by watching people who are better than him. He said like he was watching tape, watching YouTube of really good grass court players. Chris Eubanks is into his first ATP final will most likely crack the
0: top 50 or possibly number 51, somewhere around there. If he wins the tournament in the final against Manorino, he'll be inside the top 45.
1: Okay, all right. And then uh, you will probably know the results by the time this episode comes out, but on the women's side, at Eastbourne, we've got Madison or Dasha. Uh, Madison beating Coco golf. Coco herself had a great win over Jesse Begula, Straight sets.
0: In the Bad Homburg final, it'll be either Bronsetti or Siniakova. Yes, you alluded
1: to Shviontech, uh withdrawing, mm-hmm. which is common uh, in these these tournaments. The week before a major, she withdrew. I believe it was from her semifinal yes. versus Bronzetti mm-hmm. uh, with like a an illness. And then <laughs> somebody photographed her today in Wimbledon Village eating at a restaurant outside. And then of course the set-off people say, oh my god, she's such a liar, she's not really sick. I really don't care. Like, tennis players make up lies all the time to pull out of a tournament. Everybody has done it. Maybe she was sick, I don't know. To me, it was, like, it was hilarious that she decided to
0: dine in the most conspicuous place, like you would be seen. Right, but does she have to eat? Should she have gotten Uber Eats delivered? Like, I I don't understand. Like, this is not a new phenomenon, right? I get that the optics may be bad. But when she withdrew, everybody knew what that was. Who are the people that actually thought that that was an injury? It sucks for the tournament, right? You've sold tickets, and now fans are only going to get one match. So I Mm -hmm. get that, and that's a legitimate gripe. But the older I get, the more I fall on the side of a protecting your peace and doing what's best for you. And also, these are working professionals. Like tennis is a workplace, mm-hmm. right? They're independent contractors and they're doing what's best for them. I get that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's it's really not that serious to me. I thought it was funny. Okay. Can I laugh?
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, but you know people are going to be mad. Oh, people yeah, are already yeah. inclined to dislike ego, Right. Yourself right. included. That's... That, you're... So- I'm going to keep this That's going. Overstated. I'm going to keep this going on this podcast. Mm-hmm.
1: We watched Breakpoint on Planes while we were away. The, f- the the final 5 episodes of this season were released. I just took a bunch of notes in my notes app while we were on the plane watching. So did I. Uh, which is where Stefanos's pseudo apology should have remained. But I digress. We'll get there. I think we both agreed independently that this round of episodes was a huge improvement on the first one.
0: Except for episode 10.
1: Yeah, not not perfect, I but... Mean,
0: let's be clear here. How interesting could you have made the ATP and WTA finals episode? You
1: can only say so many times that this is the tournament that everybody wants. But no. When it's not.
0: That's false. <laughs> there were a lot of false things stated yes. in this Series, starting with in the episode six, right off the bat, Nick Kira saying, I know I sell out stadiums and tournaments all over the world, sir. Oh, You don't play. And even when you do, you are not, people are not buying tickets to watch Nick Kira play tennis. You are maybe, maybe, maybe a nice byproduct for some people.
1: I think, no, I think there's a semi-truth in there. I think that Nick does drive a lot of attention, and we've seen it. I don't think it's at the level that he thinks it is. Like he talks like he's bigger than Djokovic and Rafa when that's clearly not true. But he's not a hundred percent wrong.
0: At Wimbledon, when Alize Cornet beat Iga Swiatek, the voiceover says Cornet takes out Iga Swiatek, the red-hot favorite. No. No. Again, no. False. <laughs> False. <laughs>
1: I get it. Like, I get what you're trying to do. But no,
0: Ego was never the favorite for Wimbledon. Nick Curio saying, you know what they say, Netflix, behind every man is a great woman. And they still kept that in
1: after everything happened earlier this year with the trial.
0: Mm. One of the best parts of the first few episodes of the second batch, the second big batch, was the relationship between Isla Tomlanovich and her father.
1: Yes. I think a lot of people, myself included, were asking, like, why Isla Tomlanovich? Like, why was she chosen? And I think the second half of of the season, her story really, like, played out in an interesting way. Finally, a lot of that had to do with her. Maybe they were telling the story better, but it actually, like, paid off. We've said before, following the superstars might not be that interesting because they're not actually that interesting. With Isla, I feel like there were so many shades that she showed us.
0: Right. And a lot of people thought, well, she's only there because she's dating Baratini. And they get to show this hot, seriously hot couple. Right, right. Play tennis. And, that, right. in and of, that in and of itself is, I guess, interesting to tennis. But by the second half, we're told right away that they've broken up. And so Matteo's gone. He's not being featured at all. No, but here's and- Isla. And she has this wonderful storyline no because she's making her way through to the US Open to be Serena Williams's final opponent on a tennis court.
1: And not only that, I mean she had reached the Wimbledon
0: quarterfinals, so there was like a viable story there. And then the interplay with her father. At one point she tells him, "Honestly, if I made a little bit more money, I'd fire you in an instant." <laughs>
1: The context was that her dad didn't bother booking a hotel after the third round at the U.S. Open. And they're all laughing, ha 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 ha. And when she realized he wasn't kidding, her face, I mean,
0: just changed. She's like, I'm not moving again. I'm not. I'm not moving hotels, so you need to figure this out. (laughs) During the Wimbledon episode, there were two.
1: I will say they even handled the Curio stuff better. Not that I really enjoyed it, but like the storytelling was quite a bit better. The Stefanos thing, that kind of blew up. I didn't know it was going to blow up like that, but I am kind of glad it did. And I wrote down this quote while I was watching. He said about their match at Wimbledon, quote, I would describe it as an uneducated approach of playing tennis. But tennis is a gentleman's sport. It's all about respect. We're not playing basketball.
0: Well, that was after he'd already said Quote, he's brought that NBA basketball kind of attitude to tennis. Yeah. And so I
1: wrote, I don't know, feels kind of racist. Uh, Twitter seemed to agree that it felt kind
0: of racist. I wrote, yikes in caps. Okay. So Nick himself has talked about bringing a more NBA approach to right. tennis. Right. So this is not Stefanos bringing this up out of nowhere. But of course, he has no tools. To not trap himself in a vortex of racist discourse.
1: No, he he has he's not equipped. He's tethered to nothingness. I said this. <laughs> his use of the word "uneducated" was a big problem. And the thing is, like we we all saw the Wimbledon match between them. We talked about it on the show. Nick pushed his buttons so hard on purpose, and Stefanos led him. So this whole, like, gentleman sport thing, Steph allowed himself to let anger take over. It was he embarrassing. He the ball into the stands. He started behaving like this person he claims is, is uneducated. So to me, like, part of that was shame about he, how he allowed himself to behave on court. And just say, like, yeah, this dude, he acts really bad, but he got in my head and he mentally broke me.
0: He picked me apart. And Nick himself said, quote, everything I did out there were referencing all of his antics. It was exactly. by design. And when people say, oh, when you're playing Nick Kyrus, it's not just the tennis. It's every, everything else that he brings with it. It's not external stuff exclusively. It's the stuff that Nick actively brings to the tennis intentionally. Oh, yeah. To throw people and
1: off. And I, I mean, I hate that shit. But if I'm Stefanos and I've allowed myself to behave in a similar way... You can't just turn around and say, oh, that guy is bringing basketball to tennis. And then people, some people on were like, what do you mean? Why do you associate the NBA with black people? Like, be serious. Over 70% of the NBA is black. And virtually all of the major stars of the NBA are black. Except for like Doncic and uh, Jokic.
0: Well, wow. uh, at least Netflix addressed the Kyrgiosk Assault situation as well. They actually mentioned it on air in, wow. in the second half. Amazing. They they're just bastions of morality.
1: Yeah, I mean it was still like a rehabilitation tour.
0: I would like to uh, say that Felix OJ Aliasim and Chrissy Everett are both cancelled. What why? Because they both counseled Ayla Tomlanovich ahead of that Serena Williams match at the US <laughs> Open.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't like that. Goat, goats need to stick together, okay? <laughs> I know that I knew that Isla and Chrissy were close. I didn't know they were that close, where Chrissy was like, she's like a daughter to me. Mm. Uh, and Felix and Isla are very close. We knew that already. But, like, this
0: is Serena. Honestly, cancel Billie Jean King as well. Because if <laughs> I hear that pressure is a privileged thing one oh more time, and then I realize that it's written on the actual facade of the player's entrance as yes. they walk onto Arthur Ashe. when they showed that, I was like, oh. Honestly, though, Isla is... She's a star. And I will forever stand until she does something cancelable. Because she handled that whole Serena thing, and we said it when it happened, from top to bottom, start to finish, with a plum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with a poise and a humility and a self-deprecation and a humor... That was just really good to see and to watch on this Netflix series.
1: Yeah. Still feel bad for Annette Contivate, what she went through and, uh, you know, wasn't able to do it against Serena. Left her press conference in tears. I just, I cannot imagine that type of pressure on a player. Uh, Before the match, (laughs) I was dead. was like 30,000 people. Hey guys, we're fucked. (laughs) And she did it. I think... Despite the improvements, one of the things they're not doing very well is filming the tennis mm-hmm. to me, First of all, the way that they display the scores is confusing if you're used to the regular way of tennis. And I don't think they're doing a really good job of like capturing how important momentum is in tennis matches. They're just chopping them up too much in that Isla match like would it have been nice to show serena saving one of the five match points right they like Like they skipped to oh isla's not a good closer but look she just did it it's like that wasn't the story of that match at all
0: but you could also say she's not a good closer but she also lost four match points and still did it right while also being able to show the tenacity of Serena Williams that defined her entire playing career and made her who she is.
1: Like you could have said Isla didn't allow herself to be demoralized after failing to convert, you know, a few match points or something. What other documentaries have done better is weave the actual gameplay into the storytelling better.
0: Sharapova's commentary is one of the best parts of this thing for me. Is it? It is. Is it? She doesn't add much. But when (laughs) she does, the way it's delivered I really enjoy it. Okay. but Maybe she has an acting future in her. (laughs) I do not
1: really. I never got it, as you know. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think once they got to the U.S. Open, Netflix realized, oh, shit, maybe we should actually follow the best players. And so we got some
0: stuff about Iga. Not a lot. And we started getting a couple things about Carlos. Right. As we went to the U.S. Open. And at that tournament is where we get Patrick. <laughs> we get Patrick saying about Francis Tiafo, Quote: Francis better than anyone represents the American Dream.
1: Okay, thank now, you. Now, what Patrick. does that mean, uh,
0: <laughs> Patrick from France?
1: I mean, Francis has
0: a great story. It does. That should be told. But why like, it gotta be American like, Dream?
1: Why? Well, why does it have to be Patrick?
0: <laughs> like, why is he telling it? Because the American Dream in twenty twenty three. Looks like what exactly? Well, following today's
1: Supreme Court rulings, (laughs) it doesn't, it it looks like shit.
0: Oh, it was just an inane regurgitation, devoid of intellect. And I think it also is emblematic of this constant need in tennis to describe everything at the highest tilt. Mm. You know, that. You can't just describe something. You have to be superlative about it. This has to be the best that ever did. Mm. Oh my God, this mundane, run-of-the-mill, five-hour, five-set match was the greatest tennis I've ever seen. Yeah. Notably, provably false, (laughs) given (laughs) the last 20 years. Like, Mm. come on. But everything, in order to make it seem important, you have to make it seem like the most extreme version of something. Francis, of course, you remember, made it to the semifinals of that tournament. And along the way, he had to beat Rafa Nadal. And he gives a quote that I really enjoyed. And this is even me as a Rafa fan, right? He says, nothing but love and respect for him. We got a date and he has to come see me. So let's do it. (laughs) He also said, he's
1: on some other shit, man. About Carlos Alcaraz. Oh, oh, I forgot to write yes. down who it was about. It was about Carlos. <laughs> One of my highlights was watching Francis's mom back in the tunnel looking at all the NBA players and saying, thank you all for coming. Thank you so much for coming. like
0: just the sweetest. And then here we go. It wouldn't be a breakpoint episode with Taylor Fritz being on some bullshit, right? <sighs> Tombaho, woe is me. I'm so sick of everyone trying to discredit the win rafa at indian wells and so when he beat him again at the world tour finals rafa his worst surface rafa who's still injured rafa who is a shadow of who he was blitzing everybody to start the year now it's vindication now i finally can revel in this moment without you haters trying to take the moment away from me girl sit down
1: the that final episode was very boring i'm so sorry it was horrendous and on a long plane ride, I was willing to watch very boring things. Right. So we're moving on now to <laughs> tennis governance. De- depressing or, news. I guess we some, have to do the draws at some point. But. Yeah.
0: Tony TJC had asked us in the mailbag episode about what the the Live Golf merger thing could mean for tennis. Mm-hmm. Right. Something like that. And I I guess naively I said, well, it would need somebody like Djokovic to break away and steal all the momentum from the ATP and, you know, nefariously try and do this on his own, right? Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, the ATP
1: and WTA are just willing to play ball. <laughs> yes. It's actually going to be an institutional thing. Uh, I think that the the live PGA experience has served as a tool to help other leagues learn what not to do. Let's start at the beginning. Gaudenzi was recently reappointed as ATP chairman, uh, and he this week confirmed that the ATP is in talks with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund for, quote, formal partnerships relating to events, infrastructure, and technology investment. This includes the likelihood that the next gen finals will move to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, this year. That's expected to be announced soon. Gaudenzi said clearly that he wants to avoid a situation like Live that we're kind of learning from their mistakes. And he insists that investors must, quote, stick to respecting the history of the sport and the product. Of course, we'll see. That sounds a little naive to me. But tennis, it looks like is trying to get ahead of uh, the, the possible temptation for a breakaway tour by just going straight to the source and saying, hey, do you have money for us?
0: And then we get Billie Jean King out here now saying that she's on board with these talks. And we get this article uh, by, where is it? In the New York Times by Matt Futterman. Billie Jean King and the WTA are framing this as, well, we need to have dialogue with people. And this is the way to change the lives of women in Saudi Arabia by playing ball. And it just all felt a bit coordinated. Yes, but also just very archaic yeah it felt very like international relations but like these are politics of like 1989 maybe I, I don't know it just it doesn't feel of the oh the day
1: right initially it was surprised and then i got to thinking and it it actually felt pretty on brand for Billie jean like she's all about engagement and and about this like eternal optimism that things can be better if we just talk it out if we relate to one another I mean, she did the same thing with with John Wooden in, in Sports Illustrated, I think, in the 70s. She did a lot of talking. Like, Billie Jean is really, really good at talking, right? She's charismatic. She's persuasive. And so I think there's this, like, old-school liberal in her that feels like, I think we can make genuine progress. I'm not as
0: optimistic. Because this is an actual sports-washing mission.
1: Right, and... This is happening in a lot of sports. I guess if you believe that Saudi Arabia is trying to modernize
0: and become a more liberal society, then like, go for it. Meanwhile, you have Nick out here blasting on Twitter saying that, yes, sign me up. The players are finally going to get paid what they're worth.
1: (laughs) Okay. If you play, he was just out here talking about who he should coach. Does he
0: still play? If you play and win matches as well, because he hasn't done a lot of winning in his career. So, Wow. The WTA also announced a new calendar and a commitment for equal prize money. And this happened shortly after the initial news that the ATP was looking into doing business with the Saudis.
1: Yes. My first reaction was, well, you're not going to get equal prize money if the ATP inks a deal with the public investment fund and you don't. Now you're left in the dust yet again. Nay, <laughs> Steve <laughs> Simon also said the WTA is seriously evaluating partnerships with Saudi Arabia, potentially holding events there, uh, would be a way to support progress for women, according to Steve. But he says there are still huge, complicated issues that they need to deal with. Part of this new calendar is that there will now be 10 1,000-level events. There are currently nine. And buckle up, seven of them will be two-week events. We already have, uh, so we have Rome, Beijing, Cincinnati, and Canada all moving to two weeks. Indian Wells, Miami, and Madrid already there. Doha, Dubai, and one other 1,000-level 1, tournament that has yet to be named will be one-week events.
0: Of note here, if you recall, Doha and Dubai would alternate year to year as to which would be a 1,000-level event and which would be a 500-level event. With this new structure, they'd both be... At the 1,000 level. Right, right.
1: They would also be increasing the number of 500 level events to 17 and then kind of changing the approach to the 250s to give them a stronger regional focus and kind of fostering younger players. So opening up more opportunities for people to play at the 1,000 level and I guess leaving open opportunities at the 250 level for younger or
0: lower ranked Mm. players. And increasing restrictions on higher ranks players playing those 250s
1: yes so this pathway to equal prize money the goals are that at the joint 1000s and the joint 500s they'll have equality by 2027 and at all other 1500s it'll be equal in 2033 and that's a long way off it is but again it's like are you just is this just like cash flow out to equalize prize money, like, in an artificial way? Like, is this based on revenue forecast? Or is this just CVC is giving us money, and we're going to use this money to increase prize money to the men's level? Which is partly great and partly depressing.
0: I mean, that's the news, and we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out Mm -hmm. at this point. I, I don't have anything to add to that, per se. No.
1: Can we... Not call all of the British grass court tournaments the fucking Rothesay, or however you say it. You that? mean
0: like how they were all the fever tree? All the Nature Valley? The fever tree, ginger every, ale, spritz open. Every
1: goddamn week, I open and somebody else is doing something at the Rothesay. Like, huh. Can you give me the city, maybe? The location? I thought
0: Rothesay was the city. Holy shit. <laughs> it is so annoying. What is it? The LTA? Yeah. They, just must be, they must be just license all, all yeah. of the tournaments that they own. They have one the same. name They package it
1: or whatever. Like, I get it, but you got to give me something here.
0: A couple of final news items before we get into the draw segment of the episode. Annette Contevate. Wow, what a gut punch. To her Yikes. and to everybody, yeah. really. Like, this woman is not even a year out from being the number two player in the world. Being on that massive Arthur Ashe stage looking down Serena Williams in her final match and giving a great account of herself and then to have her career just completely collapse in Mm -hmm. the aftermath. Nothing to do with that moment. No. But her body just giving out. I mean, she was only
1: 26 years old then, right? She's 27 now. Wimbledon will be her last tournament. She's retiring with lumbar disc degeneration, which is just wear and tear on your discs. I know what it feels like. I would never be able to play tennis or anything (laughs) in this state. Um, So I I can't imagine the sort of like daily pain that she has to go through to train. So
0: I definitely sympathize. It's just so young. Another retirement. I know that one of my lasting contributions to tennis discourse will be how dare you ever tell somebody to retire. (laughs) But if somebody was deserving of it. It was Feliciano Lopez. And at long last, it has happened. Feliciano, who has been a tournament director for several years now,
1: while also being an active player, which... A semi-active Embarrassing. Player. Well, I feel like Feliciano has been in the process of retiring for at least five years now. Uh, he's somebody who has lined up his post-playing career with uh, quite a bit of cunning and strategy. What did you just call me? <laughs> And also banking on pretty
0: privilege, most definitely, right? Mm. I mean, your mother used to call him Delicioso. (laughs) He was a big draw for her when she first started going to tennis tournaments. Uh,
1: But Feliciano has been the tournament director at Madrid, uh, being a good soldier, defending the indefensible. That gets you points. Uh, He has now also been given the captaincy for Davis Cup Spain, and he's a commentator at Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. And he just recently got three straight singles wild cards during the grass swing. Mm-hmm. Like, what else, what else is there? Is he going to succeed David Haggerty as the head of the ITF? I
0: mm-hmm. mean, like, what is next? And allegedly, he still couldn't tip properly at Applebee's back in the day. <laughs> wow, I feel like that's off the record. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, well... We've had a lot to say about this man in the last year or so and has had nothing to do with his tennis. And I'm afraid we could be 70 years old still doing this podcast and he will be overlord of some fresh Madrid bullshit. (laughs) No, he will. Yep.
1: Caroline Wozniacki. The
0: big news. Has announced
1: that she plans to return to tennis. The US Open has already given her a wild
0: card. Mm Mm-hmm. This young lady really does like to fashion herself in Serena Williams's shadow slash likeness, doesn't she?
1: Wow. The Vogue piece? The Vogue piece. That time where she impersonated her on court. Yeah. That one? That one. (laughs) Which is still on YouTube uh, because I was looking for other Caroline videos
0: this week. For me, this didn't warrant a Vogue essay. Uh, Did I read all of it? I did not. I I thought I had read all uh, of it and I got to what I thought was a natural conclusion I was like, wow, this really continues oh. for another, like, five or six paragraphs. <laughs> it's like, ma'am, I will, I'm sorry, I'm happy. Was that meme? I'm happy for you, good for you, but I will not be reading this. Yeah. Uh,
1: I did not open the link. I
0: I did not read it. But uh. Caroline Wozniaki Esquire is back. And, you know, you have all these memes on the Internet saying, oh, Caroline saw the state of the WTN. She's like, hold on, I'm coming to save it. Okay. Until she bucked up on Iga in the second round of like three <laughs> tournaments in a row. <laughs> I think there is a lot of misplaced nostalgia in um, in those statements. I mean, I went back and looked at her 2018 Australian Open run. And I remembered the Fett mm-hmm. mm-hmm. down 5-1 in the third set double break point. I knew that. The rest of the cakewalk draw, however... <laughs> And the the semi wasn't there a
1: semi with Kerber and Halep that was like a classic. Yes. And then then Simona. And then Simona was uh, was
0: a little worn out, right? That was one of the best matches I've ever watched. that Kerber Halep semi final.
1: Well, I no like congratulations to that to
0: that lady, that woman, that young woman. She is doing what's best for her, and I will watch it.
1: Oh yeah, she's an amazing athlete. Like she Mm -hmm. really is. Like good for her. If I will always encourage somebody to come back to sport unless it's Feliciano Lopez.
0: And the more that people do this is the more that other people will. mm -hmm. And so I tweeted, are you all happy to have Caroline Wozniacki Esquire come back to tennis? And And some people were like, as long as as that means that Serena is next or no, but I wish it was Serena. Like, we need to let that go. We need to let that go. (laughs) We need to move on. It's not happening. The people were not that excited i would say she's only 32 years
1: old no i mean the responses to your tweet are
0: not positive i mean that's how i remember (laughs) listeners of our show i guess yeah responding to her (laughs) Mm. over the years um she's coming back with a lot of confidence though i don't know she says that she's hitting the ball better than she ever has (laughs) that's what she said like
1: i don't know what success looks like for this type of comeback but come and
0: see what you can do why not Why wouldn't you? Why Mm -hmm. would you be 43 years old, 45 years old, and physically unable to do it and wondering if Mm -hmm. you could have? And Don't have those doubts. Even if it's not that great, nobody is taking that Australian Open from you. Right. Nobody is taking all those weeks at number one. You could come back and be a solid top 50 player for five years, win a couple tournaments on the 25500 level, and that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. You set the goals for what you want to do. All right, we're about an hour in, but we got to do these draws. Okay, let's start with the men, where potentially we may have video graphics of Novak Djokovic chasing Margaret Court's record at this tournament. (laughs) Good good chase for 24, the elusive 24.
1: That's the theme of the men's side is, uh, is there any competition for Novak? And no, there is not. I would say he's like the 90% favorite. I mean... To me, the odds are so overwhelmingly in his favor. Uh, the men's game, it's, uh, it's
0: not great, Bob. If you think that the men's game is in a pathetic state, generally speaking... Which it is. It is even more so on grass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I-, I mean, I'm looking
1: around for contenders, for people who can beat Novak here, and I don't see
0: any... You have Stefano Tsitsipas flailing away in Mallorca, looking like I don't know what the grass court is doing to him. Have you seen those videos from this past week? Yeah. What is going on? I'm
1: so, I'm always so confused by him on grass because you,
0: I don't know, just like looking at his game, you'd think he'd be a lot better. Right. You'd think it conjures a Federer kind of thing, but it really does. He's not that. He's not that. <laughs> I'm not saying the skill level. I'm just saying like the style of game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know.
1: All right. Let's talk about some first round matches here. Berrettini Sonigo. Berrettini has been injured. Um, Sonigo just beat him 6-1, 6-2 at Stuttgart. So this is a horrendous draw for him. Uh, but I don't know. Is it clear that Berrettini is even going to play? People are still waiting for withdrawal. I don't know. Similarly, is it clear that Kyrgios is going to play? He's there. He is. And he could face his last year vanquisher
0: in the quarterfinals, I believe. I think they're in the same quarter because of Kyrgios's ranking. Francis Tiafo opens against Yibing Wu. That's a tough one. Yes. Davidovich Fokina against Arthur Fis.
1: Yeah, and Alejandro is not doing that great on grass right now. He could meet Runa in the third round. Uh, which I think Holger has to be the heavy favorite there. This tournament also sees the return of Milos Raonic. Yes. Okay, so Milos is back. He is still dealing with this shoulder thing. He pulled out of his most recent tournament with a shoulder injury. It's unclear what kind of Milos we're going to see here, but I am kind of excited he's back. We've got these dangerous floaters here like Adrian Manorino, who's currently in the Mallorca final. Uh, Talon Greekspor is the 28th seed. He just won in the Netherlands. Starts against Fucovic. Daniel Medvedev has uh, never gone past the fourth round here at Wimbledon. He does have a grass title at Mallorca. Mallorca seems to be like the exception. Stefanos also has one grass title and it was at Mallorca. But Daniel could play Manorino in the second round. There's Greekspor, another grass court guy in the third round. And then it gets very interesting at the bottom part of the second quarter.
0: Well, what are you doing here? Because you started off by just saying, oh, here are some 1st round matches. Yeah, mentions. I know. I sort of like got a point which with draw that.
1: are we in? What section? Sorry, we're in the second quarter now. Down all the way at the bottom, Andy Murray starts against Ryan Penniston, son of
0: CeCe Penniston. Did you know that? <laughs> what? <laughs> Finally, it oh, oh, happened right. to me. Uh, Ryan
1: had some wins. For the record, that's a lie. Yes. Ryan had some wins during the grass court swing last season. I remember talking about him. He hasn't done a whole lot since, but Andy is the winner of the Surbiton and Nottingham Challengers. He's coming in as like a huge dark horse right next to them. I mean, that's an overstatement,
0: I feel. Sure, he well, has his history sure, there. Sure, but look at this draw. Sure, but Andy, best over best of five at slams, even on grass. He hasn't shown that this is doable for him to make a long run Sure. in a while. In
1: the second round, the winner of that would play the winner of Tsitsipas and Dominic
0: Thiem. Yeah, that, I mean, you might say like, wow, that sucks, but it's an opportunity for both of them because neither of them mm-hmm. have historically been good on grass or at this tournament.
1: Right. Also in that little section is Maxime Cressy. Ben Shelton
0: starts against Taro Daniel. Cam Nori is there as well last year, semi-finalist. Serundolo, who is currently in the semi-finals in Rothesay, in some other place, somewhere in England. Eastbourne. Eastbourne. <laughs> right, so there's a lot of people. The, the challenge with grass, and I feel like in this day and age, we are more looking for the grass experts, the people who've had like niche results on grass, and it's similar to what it was like in the 80s and 90s with clay. Like, you get Mm. to the French Open, you're like, well, this person is a clay expert. And so we need to look for them here, and then they'll be trash on grass, and then they'll maybe make a fourth run at the U.S. Open, and that's it. (laughs) But now we can look at people, because I think over time, this unfamiliarity with grass court tennis has just exacerbated. It's gotten, the gap has been, it's been wider. Which is interesting, because the grass is
1: certainly not as fast and low bouncing as it used to be as much as wimbledon says we haven't changed the grass we all have eyes Uh, we can see it
0: you'd think it would be easier right but this is where the channel slam conversation comes into play and why people think of that as a huge achievement because it's not just that you're adjusting to a new surface you're adjusting to a surface that's so drastically different from clay in such a short period of time and you have to balance taking time off from the French Open, resting yourself, acclimating to a new surface, playing matches when you only have, what, three weeks between those two big tournaments, figuring out when you're going to play, how much you're going to play. If you get four matches under your belt and you're going to peace out like Iga. Right, I
1: get all that, but a lot of those factors have gotten easier, not harder. You know, there's a, a bigger gap between the two slams, the grass doesn't play as quickly as it used to, probably. That's that's what
0: I'm saying. Fine. Fuck my drag.
1: <laughs> the second quarter is a big question mark to me. Um, Medvedev is the seeded semifinalist. You're but on
0: this Medvedev. You've been talking about him a lot. I feel like Medvedev at this tournament doesn't want I'm saying much he's discussion. the seeded semifinalist, but. Comma, okay. Okay. but okay.
1: That means like something contrasting is coming okay got well, it? go ahead contrast for me but you could see nori taking it nori was a semi-finalist last year well i won't say andy murray because you already shot that down sebastian corda tommy paul uh even someone like manorino okay maxine cressy who
0: serves on volleys out the wazoo right but his results on grass haven't been great chris eubanks is in that quarter as well in that half oh my god he I he opens against tiago montero mm-hmm. and his second opponent unfortunately would be cam nord okay you just blew past the first quarter you didn't talk anything about I that did.
1: okay fine so alex diemenauer is one of the i mean not like a grass court specialist but somebody who is especially skilled on grass courts
0: right outside uh, of djokovic he's the most accomplished grass court male player in the last couple of years in terms of wins mm.
1: he won eastbourne in 2021 uh he was the runner-up to carlos this
0: year at queen's club jason kubler is there who won a challenger i believe this season yes. on grass and Ilkley. carlos alcaraz is there of course previously you wouldn't necessarily have thought of him as a huge favorite at this tournament but now with the title at what queens yep there he is slated to meet alex diminar in the fourth round Course, Baratini is a, if healthy, a dangerous floater there. Grigor Dimitrov, he is the round of 16, potentially. He's a third round opponent, possibly for Tiafo. Of course, if Tiafo gets by y- Yibing Wu, it's just impossible to predict. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Impossible <laughs> <laughs> to predict. Did I say impossible? <laughs> In the third quarter, that's where you've got Yannick Sinner and you've got. Kasparud as the two top seeds. Now, this Kasparud discourse during the grass season has been some of my favorite tennis (laughs) commentaries ever. He said, fuck a grass. I'm not playing any warm-up tournaments. I hate grass. In fact, he told us yesterday he's allergic to grass. People often say that... Except on a golf course. There you go. (laughs) He says almost euphemist. people usually say that euphemistically right like i'm allergic to something meaning you don't like it or you don't do well with it but he's saying that he actually has to take allergy medication stop that's what he said seriously yeah (laughs) but of course we see this dude out on the golf course all the time right (laughs) yeah like he just clearly does not care about this tournament and i really like that he's only ever made the second round here
1: (laughs) and also he just lost the french open final like he needs to take some time for himself He's um, only made three main draw appearances here and has only made it past the first round one time. And that was only to the second round. So mm-hmm. the expectations are extremely low for Casper.
0: Third round, potentially, Denis Shapovalov. Born at church, in that quarter as well. Yoshihito Nishioka. Dan Evans. Barf. Evans, who won the Nottingham Challenger last
1: year, he would be the third round
0: opponent for Yannick Sinner. Lloyd Harris, who was in the semifinal against Chris Eubanks in Mallorca. Gregoire Barrer, who's in the semifinals in what's that other one? Eastbourne. Eastbourne. Uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of names there. Taylor Fritz. But, yeah. But by seeding, it would be Taylor, Taylor Fritz against Yannick Sinner in the fourth round and Borna Church against Kaspar Ruud. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Taylor has a tough opener against Yannick
1: Hanfan, who was a semifinalist in Mallorca this week. I think a lot of people expect Sinner to be one of the chief challengers for this title. And it's a, listen, it's a short list. Mm. It's Djokovic and then like a
0: massive golf. My Kingdom for Breakpoint Season 2, second batch, where Taylor Fritz shows up and he goes, Yo, dude, I was like one of the favorites for this tournament. <laughs> and I just like went out in the first round again and like. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. It was just like so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, this.
1: Let me stop complaining. It's really hard to 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 draft stories from this draw. It really is. Andre Rublev was the unlucky top eight seed to fall into Novak Djokovic's quarter. Uh, Rublev was he was the runner up
0: in Hala, lost to Bublik. Félix Elessim is there in that quarter as well. Of course, we have not seen him since the French Open. Lorenzo Muzzetti is there. Uh, John Isner. He's still playing, huh? Still
1: kicking. Uh, going back to Félix for a second. After the French Open, he said he was dealing with some illnesses. Like he had gotten sick two times in a row and he was going off to try to figure out what the hell was going on there. Rybakina was sick at the French Open. Viral illness. Um, pulled out of a tournament last week because she was still feeling the effects of it. Like, what is going on here? Has any everybody been checked for COVID? Do you think they... Do they still do COVID testing, do you think? Probably not. Oh, no. At tournaments, right? no, they don't No, do no, I mean, like, if a player is sick, do you think they think, should I test for COVID, or do they just not test? I would be interested, because a few players are like, oh, I'm dealing with these mysterious viral illnesses. Like, uh, okay... <laughs> Have you, have you thought of one in, in particular? Hmm. But also I do just wonder, like, is this out of the ordinary or is it just that I'm, like, extra sensitive and looking for for things because we just went through a pandemic?
0: I don't know, man. Yeah. First round matches. Stan Wawrinka opens against Russovori. Jordan Thompson against Nakashima. What else do we got here? I'm always interested to see where Enzo Cuoco is. He qualified for this tournament. He opens against J.J. Wolf. Bublik opens against Mackie McDonald. Kyrios against Goffin. (laughs) Like, that is last year's runner-up versus last year's quarterfinalist. You mentioned Fritz against Hunfman. uh, And Diego Schwartzman against Kecmanovic. Like, I mean, we just spent, what, 20 minutes going through this men's draw? It's all futile. It's going to (laughs) be Djokovic. and It's a minimum in the final. And it's going to be another one. (laughs) Like... What are we even doing here? I am not interested.
1: Yeah, it's late on a Friday. Um, Can we, well, let's just talk about the women, please. All right. Iga Shiantek, fresh from Rosa's Thai in Wimbledon Village. I will say a good Tom Yum soup, it'll knock out anything. Oh my God. The lemongrass. It'll. You don't even drink Tom Yum soup. I love a Tom Yum soup. I just don't really deal with soup. I'm just saying that lemongrass will kill whatever Mm -hmm. is ailing you. Okay, before we get into the nitty-gritty, there's been a lot of discussion about this draw, and I'm not, I'm not going to be contrarian. This is literally one of the most lopsided draws I've ever seen in my life. In your life. In my entire life. Your entire life. I don't see a contender in the top half outside of ego. Do you? Maybe Donna Vekic, maybe Carolyn Garcia in should the, be. In the top half, the entire top half? Where are all the grass court contenders here? Where are they? They're in the bottom half.
0: Good. Everybody who's been playing well. <laughs> no, you are. I disagree. I mean, it, it just so happens that Benchich has been injured. She hasn't been playing. How dare you have me defend Benchich on this podcast? Firstly, Kasatkina is in a final as we speak.
1: She is Coco Golf.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've clearly just decided that she ain't. She ain't gonna do nothing at this tournament. I love Coco. Mm-hmm. But.
1: But. I don't, I don't see her as a contender at Wimbledon. Okay. Right. So not right now. There's part of your problem. Not there. Right
0: there is Venus Williams. Yeah, who got a really
1: horrible first round against Alina Svitolina.
0: I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Venus is perpetually unseated, and it could have been anybody in that first round. And that's true. Svitolina, historically on grass, is not that girl. That said... But Svitolina versus Venus. It's a 3-1 head-to-head. She's won the last three. (laughs) Okay. But Svitolina is just coming back as well. I think grass could make a big difference in this situation. Okay. Like, Svitolina is a backboard. That's the kind of player that Venus struggles against. Yeah. And on hard courts and on clay, that is especially a problem. But on, on grass, it may not be as much the case, is what I'm saying. Okay. That said, Svitolina has, Svitolina has made a semi-final at Wimbledon. So. <laughs> well,
1: okay, back to the top half. Iga draws Julin in the first round. Uh, Petra Mardich in her potential third round match. Belinda Bencic is the other big seed in that section. Belinda has played zero matches on grass. Uh, she does not actually have a match win since Charleston. Due to injury. Dasha Kazatkina, number 11 seed, is currently in the Eastbourne final. She could play Azarenka in the third round.
0: Vika just does not like grass. It's clear. That was clear yeah. to me watching her in Berlin. Oh, well,
1: she made that very clear in Berlin. What did she say? I hate this fucking court? Yes. <laughs> uh, Elisa Mattens, let's pencil her into the third round. She could play Goff in the third Coco opens against countrywoman Sophia Kennan, who qualified for this tournament. She beat Taylor Townsend in the final round of qualifying. Fairly easily. Yeah. And Venus and Svitolina are also in that little section. So the winner of Venus Svitolina could play Martins in the second round.
0: So what are you saying when this is the most lopsided? When people say that it's like lopsided in favor of somebody. So are you projecting that this is lopsided in favor of Svjantek? Well, to yes. like break through on grass well, and, and make the final of Wimbledon and be gifted an easy grass court Wimbledon Grand Slam and then she'll be one major away from the career Grand oh, Slam. To, to
1: calm down. That's very dramatic. <laughs> I'm just saying she could not really have asked for an easier draw. Let's look at it differently and look who's in the bottom half. Okay, fine. Jabor, Kvitova, Ostapenko, Rybakina, Keys. Sabalenka, Muhova, Alexandrova, Krejcikova, Hadad maia Like pretty much everybody who
0: can play well on grass is in the bottom half. You also didn't even talk about Matovo. She's in that top half as well. I didn't. That's I, correct. There's Dana Bekic there too. <laughs> no, she's definitely. The, she's the 20 like, seed.
1: I feel like Donna and Caroline are the players who've proven they have this grass court pedigree who could definitely do something here. Caroline Garcia has three grass court titles in her career, which is a lot.
0: Jessica Pagula is there. She hasn't had great results on grass, but she was quoted as saying that every time she loses, like she feels like she's just getting accustomed to it. I feel like she's a mm. player who is a stone's throw away from something clicking. All right. There's a All fine right. margin between not having had success on grass and then figuring it out. Some players never do, and I feel like some could. And mm. it's just a matter of time. You just don't have enough time to do it. There's Linda Fervitova, Harriet Dart. Don't look past these Brits at Wimbledon.
1: That's true. You never know. Siniakova is currently in the Bad Homburg final versus Bronzetti. Siniakova starts against Zhang Chinwen, which I think could be an interesting
0: first round. Kudomotova starts against Kanepi. Samsonova is there as well. She opens against Anna Bogdan, somebody who I like to watch t- play tennis. Mm. I think has a beautiful game. By seed, fourth rounds, Sviantek against Bencic. Kasatkina against Goff, Pegula against Samsonova, Kudemurtova against Garcia. Bottom half. Just show me now how lopsided this is. <laughs> I want to see. All right. So
1: last year's runner-up is there on the top on Shabur. She has uh, Kalinina potentially in the third round. In the next little section, we've got Karolina Pliskova and Petra Kvitova. Those could be third-round opponents. Petra, generationally, the best grass-court player of her of her cohort um six titles on outside the surface. of
0: venus williams
1: well they're not the same age they're, they're a different generation that's what i'm saying okay there's all there's 10 years separating them
0: okay i thought we we're going with just like active players and no that's not what i meant i'm in no way comparing petra to venus i mean petra uh, hasn't had a good result at wimbledon since the last time she won right right
1: that's the paradox right is that uh petra has two wimbledon titles last one was in 2014, she won in dominant fashion. She has wonderful results on grass outside of Wimbledon, but she's only reached the fourth round one time since winning. Moving along, uh, Hadadmaya starts against Putintseva. You remember last year, Hadadmaya won two consecutive grass court titles and then flamed out in the first round of Wimbledon. She has only ever reached the second round here. She's done it twice. Uh, if she wins her first round, she could play Bronzetti, who is currently playing the Bad Homburg final. Then, we got uh, Tatiana Maria starts against Kirsteia. Maria was very nearly in the final of Wimbledon last year. And next to that is Yelena Ostapenko. We have great grass court players here. Panko, who just won a title. The former semi both of them, her and Maria. Hadad Maya. All for the privilege of potentially playing Yelena Rabakina in the fourth round. Is Shelby Rogers a tricky match in the first round? Like if Rybakina is not feeling her best, there is potential for that to be difficult.
0: I'm starting to see what you're saying about the lopsided nature <laughs> of this draw. <laughs> and the reason is, you play this out by seeding and you have Shabur against Kvedeva, Maia against Rybakina, last quarter Sakari against Krajchikova, Mukhova against Savalenka. But then you have all these other players who are ranked below them who aren't on course to make that fourth round by seed, and they may be even better options. Right. Like Ostapenko is a 17th seed. Tatiana Maria, we've seen that she has a pedigree on grass. Sasnovich is there. Bianca Andreas, who is unseeded. She's in uh, Jepore's section. I mean, as she should be, and as... Well... <laughs> <laughs> She should be because (laughs) on the surface as well. Yes. We need to not consider that. Eula Niemeyer opens against Karolina Muhova. That is crazy. We saw Niemeyer take out Ons jabur in Germany. And this young woman can flat out ball on grass. Right, but Muhava has been
1: to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon twice. Yes. That was like originally her, her breakout, like her, her best surface. Uh, this is two tournaments in a row where Mohava has a really difficult first round, but here she will be favored. Because at the French Open, she opened against Sakari. Right. Sakari right? has a difficult first round again, opens against Marta Kostiuk.
0: Previously, Alison Risk was uh, a grass stalwart. We haven't heard much from her in the last couple of years. She opens against Paula Badosa. She's another person who's on Withdraw Watch. Celine Naif opens against Anastasia Potapova. We've got Madison Brengel opening against Sarah Irani. Sarah Irani, if you're looking for a match that promises mess, and that if, could be it for you. If you have a lot of time on your hands. Barbara Krejcikova opens against Heather Watson. You just got to look out for all of these British women. Whenever, wherever there's a British <laughs> yeah. woman in this, in these draws, Watson is the woman who almost beat Serena Williams at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. Well, yeah. more than a couple years ago <laughs> at this point.
1: That was 2015, I believe, in the middle of the Serena Slam. Uh, Sabalenka, not too bad. You know, a uh, potential third round against Begu. But then it gets complicated in the fourth round because you have either Mohova, Niemeyer... Uh, Alexandrova who's already won a grass title this year and
0: last year. At some point, Alexandrova has to make good, right? She both, has
1: to break out.
0: Both her and Kudomirtova. So Madison Keys has just tapped into something
1: this week, reaching the final in Eastbourne. Maria Sakari is the seeded player to reach the fourth round there, but I could see Keys going to the quarters. You know, there's Krejcikova. You're asking Madison to have good results in back-to-back weeks. That's That's asking a lot. <laughs> Uh, but I think there's there's just a lot of like interesting grass court players here. Alexandrova, Savalenka, Mulkova. Krejcikova has won Wimbledon twice in doubles, has reached the fourth round here in singles.
0: I'd have liked to have seen better form from Ons in this grass season. Yes. For me to feel yes. more confident about her at this tournament. Mm-hmm, definitely.
1: But, uh, you know, I know that Petra has yips here. But you think, like, she could be a real contender again, even given a very difficult draw.
0: Right, but then you think of, well, two of the best pedigreed grass players at this tournament on the women's side could meet in the quarterfinals. Kvitova and Ostapenko. And that just seems unfair.
1: Right. And alternatively, in that same slot, it could be some of the other best grass court
0: players in rabakina Jabur. Correct. They're all in the same. Like, yes. that is crazy. Fine. I accept your point. Right. I think I was just pushing back against <laughs> you essentially framing all those other players as, as, as nothingness. No, not that they're
1: not very good players. It's just that the players who've been excelling on this surface and who have been playing well most recently are pretty much down here in the bottom half.
0: And then look, qualifying Mira Andreeva against Wang Zhiyu in the first round. To play potentially Krichikova in the second round, that's you know, yeah, that is a big time player on the horizon, right? now. Yeah, there. she's been getting like a lot of hype. Lately. And do not overlook Emma Navarro. Do not. Oh, okay. Do, absolutely. Yeah, like. Do not overlook don't, Emma Navarro. She might move Wimbledon to Birmingham for all we know. <laughs> I think the overall picture here is that there are far more competent grass court players on the women's side than that than there are in the men. Bye. <laughs> an order of what's the word magnitude uh, yeah
1: yeah or there there are just a lot of legitimate contenders for this title i always do this thing where i like i take a, a bunch of notes on like the top 8 seeds what their recent results were and stuff but i was looking through and it's like as soon as you get out of the top 8 on the women's it is very crowded number 9 kvitova krachikova kazatkina then hadadmaya 13 Mukhova, Ostapenko, Vekic, Alexandrova, and we're only at number 21. It is a very crowded field on the women's side.
0: So we are not going to make predictions on this show as we have retired from doing for many, many years. But we invite you to join us again with our Racket Bracket Challenge on the tennis app, TNNS. And there is an invite code that if you've, I mean, we played the Australian Open with this app. We played Roland Garros with this app. Now, we're, we're keeping that continuity, and the invite, once you've downloaded the app, use leak code LABOR-ACE-9494 to join. And, of course, the leak name is The Body Serve. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, my name is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at Tennis underscore John. And I'm James at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. You can find everything body serve related at linktree.com slash the body Happy Wimbledon. Till next time.
1: Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you very much.